Well, today, I, I'm, I'm still not quite ready to return to the book of Acts. You know, we're in the middle of Acts, uh, and, uh, and I did say, of course, that uh, we would, right after the first of the year, uh, get right back to it. And, of course, at the first of the year, I gave kind of like a New Year's kind of message. And, and then I thought, well, next week we're having a guest speaker. And so, I'd, you know, uh, so I thought maybe we'll do something else uh, uh, today. And so it just so happens that, um, you know, I was thinking about what might be um, helpful, good, and encouraging, and challenging. And so this past uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday at our uh, Chavurot that, that I lead, we were looking at the uh, prophet Haggai, just a couple of chapters long, and I thought, wow, this would really be... Uh, helpful uh, on Shabbat. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the prophet Haggai and uh, some uh, lessons that we can learn from him. And actually, I would suggest that if, you, if you're familiar with it and you've, if you've read those two chapters, you know, it's one of the most practical, timeless, and therefore timely I always wonder about that word, timeless. No. Any, you know, as if it doesn't matter. No. Timeless in that, in that it applies always. It is uh, just a great word for uh, our lives uh, in a variety of situations. And let's face it, you know, uh, we're all, we, are, we live in a world of distraction uh, right now, right? I'm sure that uh, we're distracted by current events and you know, in our, in our culture and around the world, as we have been for the last number of months. Uh, and, uh, and I think this is really a great word uh, for us today. So a little bit about Haggai. Who was Haggai? By the way, his name is pronounced Haggai, okay, just so you know. Uh, and uh, he is a contemporary of Zechariah, okay? Uh, a contemporary. They uh, spoke at the same time. All right? Now, what time was this? It was uh, right after the Jewish people returned to Jerusalem from Babylon. So that means it's uh, approximately 500 years before Yeshua. Uh, and so that means about 350 years before the Hanukkah story. Okay? Uh, it is around... Uh, the time of Ezra and Nehemiah uh, and uh, Zechariah uh, and Malachi. All right? So I, the, the, the people who uh, returned back to uh, uh, Jerusalem from uh, Babylon okay, were small in number. Uh, they're called a remnant. Uh, and uh, the king at this time is Darius, the king. Uh, and when they returned, they found Jerusalem uh, in, in shambles, we'll say. Uh, it was not as anybody had remembered it. And we know that the first temple was destroyed, and there were other people uh, living in the land now. Uh, and it was difficult, it was uncomfortable. 
It wasn't like, well, now that we're returning, it's like now is the end, and all the, all the promises of all the prophets is now going to come to pass, and now we're going to return uh, to Eretz Yisrael, and uh, you know it's going to be wonderful. So it wasn't wonderful. It was really very difficult. And of course, we know that one of the primary things that had to be done upon their return was to rebuild the temple. To rebuild the temple. Uh, but as we know, certainly from other places in the, in the scriptures, that uh, it was uh, very difficult and there was opposition. And so Haggai speaks to this issue. He's speaking to the issue of rebuilding uh, the temple. Uh, he's talking about issues of what their priorities are uh, and, uh, uh, and he challenges them to think about these things and he gives them also a glorious word about the future. I can't think of a better word uh, you know, for us today. So we're going to read some, uh, some of it. So Haggai, now if you're looking for Haggai, uh, looking for Haggai. Uh, if you go to the very end of the Tanakh, right, uh, and go backwards in the Bible that you probably have, uh, just before Zechariah, right before Zechariah is Haggai. All right? In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. So who were these people, right? So Zerubbabel was the leader of the people when they, when they first returned. He was, we would say, the civil leader. Uh, and it's interesting the word governor is used. Uh, you know, it's kind of a, a, a Persian word, actually, or a loan word to Hebrew, uh, you don't read about governors. You have pr priests and kings and prophets and judges. We don't read too much about governors, <laughs> okay? Uh, but uh, let it just be that he was the leader of the returnees, the civil leader. He's actually descended from uh, the tribe of Judah, interestingly enough, okay? His name, Zerubbabel, the seed of Babylon. It's where he uh, was uh, born, you know, and uh, so it's kind of interesting. Uh, and uh, we read about him also in Zechariah, and it is no coincidence that we read about him in Zechariah and that we read about him in Haggai because they, this was all around the same time. And he really becomes like a sign that God is still with them. After all, he's descended from Judah, descended from David, but he's not the Messianic king, but it sort of is a sign to them that God uh, has not abandoned them. Joshua, this is not Joshua from the book of Joshua, right? This is a, an entirely different Joshua. He is the high priest. So he serves as like the religious leader, spiritual leader. Zerubbabel is the civil leader. And we read about both of them again in Zechariah. And we read about them here in Haggai. <clears throat> All right. So uh, we see here that the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts. Now, just as a by the way, 
Uh, in this little uh, two-chapter prophecy of Haggai, he often refers to the Lord as the Lord of hosts, God of armies, uh, you know, uh, because uh, he's trying to communicate to them that God is very powerful, and even though you may not see him, uh, he is with you and he is very powerful, uh, Lord of hosts, Okay. And then it says, this people says, the time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. So he uses this people. It's kind of a, kind of a disparaging kind of term. This people. This is the remnant of Israel. This is my people, God. Why doesn't he say my people? Why doesn't he say the remnant uh, of Israel? <clears throat> no, he just says, this people says. It's not time yet for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt, okay? Uh, and of course, why are they saying this? Well, they're looking around and they see that uh, it is uh, difficult, so it must not be the right time because, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not comfortable, it's not easy, uh, so it must not be the right time. And so they took, as we might call it, the path of least resistance, <clears throat> and they built their own homes, and they paid attention to themselves, uh, because evidently that was a safer way to go than uh, rebuilding the temple. So the text says, Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses with this, while this house lies desolate? You know, in other words, what are your priorities, Right? You're taking care of your own property, so to speak. What about glorifying God? What about the house of God? It's a challenge. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. Then he says it again. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Okay, And then he goes on to say, this is what you need to do. Go and get wood and rebuild the temple. Okay, uh, It's like no, uh, there's, uh, you know, no mystery here. This is what you need to do. Rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. And then he reiterates this issue of dissatisfaction. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord? Because of my house, which lies desolate, while each of you runs to his own uh, house. And so, uh, you know, he, uh, uh, he goes on again to say that, you know, you don't have all that you feel that you need, you need to look uh, internally, okay? So he says, consider your ways. This is one of the great phrases in the Bible. <laughs> you know, I would say in the whole Bible, uh, this is one of the top 10 great phrases, uh, and it speaks to every generation. In Hebrew, it's, uh, you know, it is really very rich. In Hebrew, it's, Simu levavchem al derachechem. Simu levavchem al derachechem. Put it to your heart. 
okay? And put it to your heart, uh, you know, about your ways, okay, or about your path. Now, of course, when you just say those words literally, you know, what, what does that mean? What is he saying? He's saying, think about what you're doing. Think about your, your path. Think about where you're headed. Think about the trajectory of the decisions that you're, that you're making. You look around you, you see that the land lies desolate, right? Uh, you, you're, you're building your own houses, but not taking care of the priorities that you know come with being the called people of God. Think about what you're doing, right? I, and, um, and, and so I think that that is, um, uh, you know, very, uh, very appropriate, certainly for us. That's what he was saying uh, to them, and that's what he says uh, to us uh, as well, you know? Consider uh, your ways. So in our Chavura uh, groups, I asked the question, what, qu- what kind of questions would you ask yourself you know, if, uh, if you receive this kind of challenge? What kind of questions do you ask yourself? You ask yourself questions uh, you know, like, um, uh, what is my, uh, do I have a goal for uh, the, uh, this year? Or what am I, where am I going to be in five years? Uh, and is what I'm doing now, uh, you know, um, sort of set the trajectory to get there? Uh, am I doing something that God approves of? Is the trajectory of my life something that glorifies him? Uh, how does it affect other people around me? Uh, is the way I conduct my, my life or conduct myself when I think about it, how does it affect the people that I love or... Uh, my community or, uh, or, or others? Um, is it satisfying when I, when I look around me? What is the fruit that's being born uh, from it? There's all kinds of questions that we can ask ourselves uh, you know, if we take that uh, uh, seriously. And so the first thing Haggai says is, I want you to think about it. <laughs> you know, not, just, um, uh, not just go and rebuild the temple, but I want you to think about where you're at, you know, place your heart on your path. Think about, uh, you know, what you're uh, doing. You know, so it's interesting, in Israel, if you're on the road, and uh, let's say uh, there's a winding road, uh, and, it's, and uh, it, can be, uh, it can become slippery, you know, if it rains a lot, which it can do sometimes, right? So on the sign, uh, it uses these words. Uh, uh, you know, sim labo. <laughs> Watch your heart, right? Or place your, your heart. But what is it? In, in English, it would be like, beware or pay attention. You know, pay attention to the road, all right? And so what is Haggai saying? He's saying, Pay attention to your life. Pay attention to uh, what it is uh, that you are doing. So in doing so, uh, we see the end result. The end result is at the end of the first chapter. The people pay attention. 
and uh, their, their spirit within them is moved, and they get excited, and now they're going to go and rebuild uh, the temple. Uh, and Haggai, of course, uh, not only gives them a great word of exhortation, uh, and this is always, by the way, very important. If you're giving a word of exhortation, it needs to also come with a great word of encouragement. All right? The goal isn't to have dead bodies on the side of the road or to bury people, right? But uh, if we're going to give an exhortation, we need to give a word of encouragement. And that's exactly what Haggai does, does here. Right? So uh, we read in verse 13, Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, saying, I'm with you, declares the Lord. God, God is with you. He's saying, God is with you. He has not abandoned you, but you need to think about what you're doing and do the right thing. Right? And so the rest of this chapter says that uh, they went and began to rebuild the temple. And by the way, just a little observation about the words here. He doesn't say this people anymore. Now he calls them the remnant. Right? You notice that there in uh, verse uh, uh, 14. It says in the middle of the verse, in the spirit of all the remnant of the people. Uh, and they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts. Uh, their God. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, if, now if it ended there, that would be good enough, right? We have a very nice uh, word uh, there. The people listened. They took it to heart. See? Uh, and uh, they began to rebuild the temple. They, they recalibrated. Uh, they, uh, they heard this word. They became convicted. And they got their priorities uh, in order, and began rebuilding uh, the temple. But now we see uh, in, the, in the second chapter, they needed another word of encouragement. Haggai was very sensitive uh, to the plight of the people. You know, he knew, he knew their heart. And of course, God knew, and he's the prophet, he's the messenger. God knew their heart. It wasn't like they were evil. You know, you don't read here that they began to build statues and worship them uh, or engage in some kind of, uh, you know, heinous ritual uh, pagan acts. But they needed to be tweaked. They needed a little focus. Uh, and this is what Haggai gives them. And he realized now, right, that they needed another word of encouragement. So we read here in chapter 2, in verse 3, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? But now take courage, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Take courage also, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And all you people in the land, take courage, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, uh, says the Lord of hosts. As for me, the promise which I made you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear. And so they needed another word of encouragement. They needed to remember that, I, that God had called them right where they are and to rebuild that temple to uh, do a work for him to have their priorities straight, but not to compare the past to now. Not to compare what, what came forth before. 
yes, oh, there's the, what's the point? This temple will never be like uh, the one in Solomon's day, you know? But that was not the point. The point was, was to be devoted to the Lord, have their priorities right, right where they are, uh, to uh, think about the trajectory of their lives, uh, and to move forward right from there. And how important is that, you know, for us? When we think about our own lives, when we think about, uh, you know, where we're at and uh, where do we want to go uh, uh, from here? You know, it is very easy to romanticize the past, right? The past, when I was a child, every holiday was glorious, you know? Now, eh, I don't know. It's not like it used to be. Or, uh, you know, when I was uh, uh, growing up, we did this and we, we, um, we engaged in this and life was uh, better and I, and so we end up being a little maybe dejected and, and not so passionate, right? I, uh, or even in our, uh, you know, in our movement, if you've been around for a long time, we, we love to romanticize, I think, uh, some of the past. That it was glorious, you know, back in the 70s, uh, you know, or back in the 80s. Well, you know, it wasn't so glorious. Uh, you know, if you were there, it wasn't so glorious. Uh, it was hard work, and it was, uh, it was, uh, it was uh, crazy then, it's crazy now, right? Uh, and uh, how important it is for us to realize this is where we're at, and we need to ask ourselves now, well, where, where does God want us to go? What is our trajectory? And uh, we don't want to compare ourselves to ourselves in the past or, any, or anyone else. This is where we are now. Uh, and we look forward to the future. As I like to say, I don't know, I heard this from somebody somewhere, that the, you know, the windshield is a lot bigger than the rearview mirror. Uh, and, uh, uh, and how important it is for us as a community and even in our own lives. Uh, and we're all in different places, right, in our, in our lives. If you're 20, you have a whole different view of time coming up in the future than if you're in your 60s or 70s or, or beyond, right? You know, when you're in your 20s, it's like you're, you're going up and the sky is the limit. All I see is horizon. But then you reach, it's kind of like maybe being like on a roller coaster a little bit. Then you reach the top and, well, now I can see where the train goes into the station maybe, you know? And what am I going to do, uh, you know, in the, in the years that I have? And recognize that God has... God has important things for all of us to be engaged in, individually, communally, in a lot of different ways. And so I encourage us all to think deeply, uh, you know, set our heart on our path uh, and, uh, you know, and take Haggai's words to heart. Uh, the question is, am, you know, am I taking the path of least resistance? You know, uh, is there uh, things that God wants me to be engaged in? I notice, I love the end of verse 4 of chapter 2. Work, for I am with you. You know, work, for I am with you. Be engaged. Be proactive, uh, you know, in your life. And isn't it true that for some of us, after we, you know, we come to faith 
and we're excited about it, and then we read through the Bible, and, and we begin uh, you know, attending a congregation, and we, after a while, you, you can develop the thought of, well, I've been around the block a few times, you know, and, um, and, and, and we kind of go into this uh, neutral mode, going, you know, sort of traveling in neutral. When, uh, when we need to uh, definitely be continuing to look forward and not be discouraged like these, like, uh, these returnees to the land. It doesn't look good. You know, uh, they kind of had, I would say, perhaps like a defeatist attitude. And that is not what God calls us to be. We are called to see the future and begin living it out indeed today. And, and that is exactly how uh, God positions what he's going to say now. Because what he says now is, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. He says it here and he says it at the very end. Okay? The sea and also the dry land. I'm going to shake all the nations. And they will come with the wealth of all the nations. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. Notice, Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts, God, powerful, uh, you know. And in this place, I shall give shalom, declares uh, the Lord. Now, what's interesting is he's going to repeat this at the end. At the very end, he says... Um, in verse 21, speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, and I will overthrow the thrones of kingdoms and destroy the power of kingdoms of the nations, and I will overthrow the chariots and their riders and the horses, and their riders will go down, everyone by the sword of another. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, my servant, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring. For I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. So he says this uh, in the middle of chapter 2 and then at the, very, at the very end. And what is he doing? It's, it could be a little confusing because they're building this temple and we already know that this temple is also going to be destroyed. Uh, and uh, uh, this is not when Yeshua will sit on his throne and all the nations are going to come. So what is he doing? I would suggest what he's doing, he is conflating the future, so to, so to speak, the, the future of this temple, the future of the coming of uh, the Messiah, uh, you know, uh, when, uh, when he came 2,000 years ago, uh, and when he appears again in the future, sort of putting all of that together as this great word of hope, you know, that the, the day is not over. Uh, that uh, I'm doing this work and the best has yet to come. I, I think that is what God is conveying to not only the people, but encouraging the leadership, right, to keep going, be encouraged, because whether you see it in your lifetime or not, there's a great work that I am engaged in. Very, very important to, to understand. And so he's saying, I'm not done with you, and I want you to, even though, the, don't compare this temple to the past because that's not what it's about. It's about the work that I'm doing. And that's what he's doing here. But in between, when he says, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth the first time, 
and I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. Then he says it again. He challenges the people. Not here about your priority, your outward priorities in rebuilding the temple, but here, this great word, I believe, about their uh, consider your heart internally. All right? And so he says here, in verse 10, on the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priests for a ruling. If a man carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches bread with his fold or cooked food, wine, oil, or any other food, will it become holy? And the priest answered and said, No. Then Haggai said, If one who is unclean from a corpse touches any of these, will the latter become unclean? And the priest answered, uh, it will become unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, <clears throat> declares the Lord, and so is every work of their hands. Uh, what, do they, what they offer here is unclean. But now do consider uh, from this day onward, before one stone was placed on another in the temple of the Lord. And then, you know, he's going to, uh, so to speak, uh, tease this out. Uh, you know, about uh, their inward condition. Uh, and then he says in verse 18, do consider from this day onward, uh, when, from the day that the temple of the Lord was founded, consider, is the seed time in the is the seed still in the barn? Even including the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree, it has not borne fruit. Yet from this day on, I will bless you. So, he encourages them to rebuild the temple, consider your paths, get your priorities right, you know, and remember, God is with you. You are vital and significant. And he says, because, you know, the day's coming when I'm going to turn the world upside down, right? And it begins with this temple that you're building, all right? And then he says, but, you know, I want you to ask the priest a question. And what are these questions? The first one is, can holiness be transferred, you know? Can God, is godliness contagious, right? Well, in a certain way, yes. But <clears throat> that what he's saying here is, is that just because you uh, touch holy things doesn't make you holy. However, then the same thing cannot be said for sinfulness. We know all about things being contagious, don't we? We've become experts on things being contagious, right? Uh, but here he's saying sin is contagious and you have that virus, okay? Uh, and, uh, and, and that's what, so is this people, unclean. So he sa then he says, interestingly enough, he says consider, and he says it two more times, consider, but he doesn't say consider your ways, your, your paths, here he just says, consider, which is set your heart. Think about your heart. In the first part, it's think about your heart in like what you're doing and what your priorities are and what you're engaged in. Now in this last part, he says, just think about your heart and make sure that you're on the same page as me. And uh, I believe what he's saying to them is, you know, be right with them. Confess your sins. Become sensitive to the leading of the Lord. You know, and you'll see blessing because there is this great future ahead. So, just to finish up, 
uh, uh, some things we could say to ourselves in all of this regarding these things is, is this. One, we, you know, last week we mentioned in Isaiah chapter 30. Remember we mentioned it where uh, um, <clears throat> uh, the prophet uh, says, um, woe unto you, you know, woe unto you who execute a plan, but not mine, right? Uh, and uh, uh, what, what important words those are. Uh, and so we may have all kinds of plans, right? We may be executing all kinds of plans, but let's make sure that we've set the trajectory right. You know what I mean by that, right? It's, it's like with the rocket. You know, I don't understand a thing about it, but I do know that, you know, when the rocket takes off, there's certain things about it that make sure that a zillion billion miles down the road it lands or it goes to the moon, right? Uh, and so it is with us. Wherever we're at now, the decisions we make, uh, the way of life we live, our attitude toward things, and where we're moving really can determine where we end up, you know? a long time from now. So let's really be considering these things and be, and be doing what God would have us be doing uh, because that's what leads to a satisfied life. Not with, you know, silver and gold necessarily, but a satisfied life when we walk on the derech Adonai, right, on the way of the Lord and recognize the boundaries there and, uh, you know, and, and so on. Uh, and then here... Uh, you know, in Isaiah 30, it is interesting that about 15 verses later, he says, in quietness and repentance will be your deliverance. Don't you love that? <laughs> in quietness and repentance will be your deliverance. And so take the time, how important it is. Another thing is don't be distracted. We live in a, we live in a world of complete distraction right? Completely distracted by current events, the politics, the virus, the everything, right? Don't be distracted. You know, there's a great story uh, in uh, the Gospel of Luke about Mary and Martha when Yeshua comes, uh, uh, you know, to the house. You know the story. I'm not going to take the time to turn there. But uh, it even uses the word that Martha was distracted, Martha was distracted when Yeshua came, right? And Mary sat at his feet. Uh, not that the things that Martha was doing was not important or, or good, but there's a time for everything, right? Uh, and so let's not be distracted. How do we not get distracted? You know, you might want to turn off. I know this is going to sound totally radical, uh, but turn off the social media for a while you don't have to watch all the talking heads on TV constantly saying the same thing over and over and over again that is just going to lead to depression and sadness and frustration, <laughs> right? right? Think about what, what do we read in Philippians chapter 4? Think on things that are edifying and good, you know, and be built up, be built up. Because, you know, what a great time this is for Messiah followers. What, what an opportunity we have to demonstrate an alternative, an alternative way of thinking, an alternative way of living that I believe is like the Mayim Chaim, 
you know, the, the living water that people look for. Do not get stuck in the quicksand, right? Uh, how important it is. So consider not only what you're doing, but consider your heart. Don't be uh, distracted, right? And uh, 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 in, in addition, we want to remember uh, also uh, where it is that we, uh, that where, where we come from. Right? Where do we uh, where we come from? One of the things that he reminds them is uh, is of uh, remember back in Egypt, back in Egypt, back in Egypt was like another world ago. That's what these people might have been thinking, right? When he says, you know, I'm with you, I'm with the promise that I made is still true today. So it is for us that. Uh, uh, God does not leave us or forsake us. He travels with us. And that's, may I suggest, why we read so much about wilderness wanderings, you know, in the Brit Hadashah, because it, it, really, uh, it really still uh, applies today. And so, you know, I remember, in quietness, uh, and deliver, in quietness and repentance is our deliverance. Uh, don't get distracted. Remember where you come from, and remember... Uh, to be dwelling on those priorities. You know, God had a great work for these people to do, but it didn't look like they were going to amount to anything. Really, it didn't look like they were going to... They missed the boat, you know, when they went into the captivity, and it seemed like all was lost. But all was not lost. We live in a world today where we know, we know who Yeshua is. We, you know, we, uh, we embrace him. But then we look at, in the world around us and we say, well... And maybe some of us could even be saying this. What difference does it make? What difference does it make? You know, the world is uh, a mess. What difference does it make? Well, you see, this is where the rubber meets the road. It makes a world of difference. As we engage with one another and with this world, as we set our trajectory as a, as a community in the, in the right way, uh, that uh, it makes a world of a difference. You know, I gave uh, away a book, in closing, I gave away a book to some uh, friends uh, not too long ago, and the name of the book is called One by One by One. And it's about a neurologist in Boston uh, who uh, has a, a heart for the world health crisis. What can he do? He's one person. And he tells a story about his relationship with some people in Haiti. What's interesting, he's not a Messiah follower and, uh, or something like that. And, and uh, he uh, just has a heart. And you see that he makes a difference in, the, in, in a person's life. And it, 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 it's a world of difference. One by one by one. And so let us heed the words of Haggai. And to recognize them, that no matter what you see around you, Set your heart on your path. God is with you. He's given all of us opportunities, individually and communally, to <clears throat> follow uh, his calling in our lives for a satisfying, rich life with a future uh, that is glorious, uh, as, uh, you know, as he tells Zerubbabel here. And so, indeed... May we set our heart on our path. Let's pray.
Lord, a God, thank you, a God, that we're not left to our own devices, that Yeshua told us, I'm with you even to the end of the age. We're not by ourselves. Thank you, Lord, that you have placed within us the Ruach HaKodesh, that we are organically connected to you. In fact, we know that, that we live not only in this world, but we live with you, Lord, at the right hand of the Father. That we live in two worlds. God, may we remember that as we move forward here. And God, may we never forget uh, where we come from. May we not get distracted. May we set our priorities right, Lord. And uh, thank you, God, that in Yeshua, uh, the Messiah, you have made this a reality. God, we thank you and we pray in Messiah's name. Amen.